I do uh, have a story that I could have shared during the open mic, but it's going to be part of my message, so I didn't want to uh, steal my own thunder, so I'll, I'll be getting into some of that uh, a little bit later. So as Pastor Steve said, my name is Gerald Graham. I'm one of the uh, elders here at Bethany. I consider myself an undocumented preacher. I snuck across the border late last night, and uh, I'm up here this morning to uh, share God's Word with you. You might say, why do I have the podium? If anyone is bifocal age, this table's not the right height. <laughs> so it's not that I'm special and I need, I need something else here, but I, I need this to be able to see my notes. So welcome. Thank you for coming. If you're a guest here today, we welcome you and we thank you for worshiping with us. Our topic for the day is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you'll see on the back of your bulletin, there's five uh, points that I want to attempt to cover today. So if you're taking notes or you want to write anything down, those things are listed in the bulletin for you. So I just want to have a brief word of prayer before I move into my message. Father, we thank you for the movement of your Holy Spirit already here this morning. We thank you for the good stories that we heard of how people followed your leading in their lives and spoke uh, kind words about you, spoke and shared the gospel and other things, and so we just uh, thank you for that. And so, Lord, now we pray that as we continue this study of the Holy Spirit, that you would give me clarity of thought, and Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. The Scripture passage for today, I'm going to read these verses, is from Ephesians 5, 17 to 20. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first part, I want to, first part of my message, I just want to think a little bit, want you to think a little bit about what is being filled. What does that really mean? It's important to distinguish between the infilling of the Holy, indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, let me start again. It is important to distinguish between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit from the filling of the Holy Spirit. The permanent indwelling of the Spirit is not for a select few believers, but is for all believers. Now, I want to pause here for a moment, because in an audience of this size, I would assume maybe that there is someone here that has not made a decision for Christ. If you haven't repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you do not have the Spirit living within you. You are not and cannot be filled with the Spirit. Your first step is to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And perhaps today is the day you will consider doing that. So all of these messages that we've had in the past from Pastor Steve and, and my message today has to deal with how the Holy Spirit works. But your first decision is to repent of your sins and become a child of Christ. There are three truths about the Holy Spirit that I just kind of want us to, to formulate in our minds and, and have some understanding, and that is that the Holy Spirit is a gift given to all believers without exception and with no conditions. The Holy Spirit is given at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit dwells all believers 
permanently. Now that's a little background of the Holy Spirit, and now we're going to move into the idea of what is, what is being filled, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is a quote from John Piper. Uh, some of you may know him, but he's a pastor from Minneapolis. Uh, he's the seminary chancellor, and he's the author of over 50 books. Uh, the, probably the most famous book that he has written is called Desiring God. And he says, being filled with the Holy Spirit means having great joy in God. And Nehemiah 8.10, there is a verse, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Being filled with the Spirit is being filled with joy that comes from God through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we go through this, we're going to see how the, the idea of joy and the Holy Spirit are linked intimately together. This slide has a verse from Acts 13, 52, and says, the believers were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. You see the link there again. And from our lesson text today, Ephesians 5, 17, that filling is God's will for us. This is something that God wants to take place in our lives. Being filled is surrendering control of your life to God's Spirit. When we do this, we'll find Him doing amazing things in our lives. Being filled with the Spirit means being absolutely saturated with and under the control of the Spirit. Now, in our lesson sermon text that we read a little bit earlier in Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you might say, well, why did the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Ephesians, bring up this idea of being drunk with wine when we're talking about being filled with the Spirit? That might seem like an odd comparison. Let's unpack that a little bit. In some ways, being filled with the Spirit is similar to being filled with alcohol. Everything in a person is affected. How he thinks, how he reacts, what he feels. Inhibitions are removed. In the same way, being filled with the Spirit affects everything in a person's life. However, there is a crucial difference you were probably hoping there was a crucial difference between filled with alcohol and being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share a quote from J.D. Greer. J.D. Greer is a pastor from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's also the author of many books and Bible study series. And look what he says. Alcohol changes a person's perception by deadening him to reality. The Spirit changes a person's perception by awakening him to reality. Ephesians 5.18 tells us to be filled. It's a command. Now here, as I began to study this, I found some writings about grammar. Now how many of you are going, oh boy, grammar. If you're like me, I like school, but I didn't really like grammar. Ephesians 5.18, when it originally translated, the, the phrase be filled is grammatically a present imperative. And you okay, your eyes glazed over. What does that mean? The literal meaning is to be always filled, continually filled. It's a process, but it's, it's an imperative, but it's passive. Now, stop and think about that for a little bit. It's an imperative, but it's passive. That sounds like a contradiction of terms. But it's imperative that we allow this to happen. All right, so I hope that makes sense to you. It's imperative that we allow this to happen, that we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. So the question that we need to ask ourselves 
is if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. We established that at the very beginning. The question now is, does the Holy Spirit have you? And this is the question that we all need to ask ourselves. So being filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with joy, it has to do with surrender, and it's continual. Now I'm going to move to my second point, how can I be filled? Being filled is surrendering and aligning yourself with who God made you to be. We're filled with the Spirit by dwelling on the gospel and not quenching or grieving the Spirit. We're going to unpack that a little bit a little bit later on. There's another quote here from John Piper. He says, how do we obey this commandment to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We're in a predicament. We're commanded to be full, and yet we are not the filler. The Spirit Himself is. The answer to this predicament in the New Testament is that God has ordained to move into our lives with fullness through our faith in Him. Do we truly believe that God is who He says He is? and that He does what He says He will do. We should be so completely yielded to God that the Holy Spirit can possess us fully, in that sense, fill us. This implies freedom for Him to occupy every part of our lives, guiding us and controlling us. This filling does not apply only to our outward actions, but it has to do with our innermost thoughts and motives. Remember the earlier example about alcohol that we talked about, when we're under alcohol's influence, it controls us. In the same way, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're under His control. We're yielding, we're trusting, we're obeying. This is a verse in the New Testament from John chapter 3, verse 30, and it's a a quote from John the Baptist speaking about Jesus' ministry. <clears throat> but I thought, as I, as I thought about this verse, I thought this really applies well to allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. He must increase, but I must decrease. And this is what John said about Jesus' ministry. As Jesus um, came and, and was beginning his ministry, John the Baptist kind of backed off, and he, he made this statement that he, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Now, that's exactly what must happen in our lives for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Being filled with the Spirit points to our need to be conformed to God's own character. It means yielding ourselves willingly to His sanctifying work. Remember, we said earlier that it's an imperative that we allow this to happen, that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Now, as with anything, as since all of us are sinful creatures, there's hindrances to being filled. That's point number three in my outline. There's an interesting quote I found in the Old Testament in the book of Jonah. Now, if you remember the story of Jonah, he was swallowed by a great fish, and he, the first couple, uh, the first chapter, first number of verses in the book of Jonah has to deal with a prayer that he cried out to God from the belly of the fish. And this is one of the, one of the things that Jonah said, those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Quite simply, our main hindrance to being filled is that we're too full of ourselves and, our, and worldly desires. And this voice, verse points that out, is that there's things that God wants to do for us, but we cling to other things that hinder God's work in our lives. Now, this, this screen might be a little bit hard, hard for, you to, for you to be able to read all the verses, 
Um, I asked uh, Crystal to put this all on one screen, and she warned me that it might be a little bit uh, difficult to read. <clears throat> so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. So you see the battle that's going on here. Again, there's a constant battle in our lives for this, the Holy Spirit and for our sin nature, who is never, uh, as human beings, our sin nature is never totally done away with, and so there's that constant battle. And as our sin nature rises, it works against the, our filling of the Holy Spirit. You see further down in that uh, section of Scripture, it talks about, it gives a list of sinful nature and sinful desires. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And look at this list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we're constantly struggling with these sins, if we see these sins active and, and alive in our own lives, we can assume that we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, earlier we mentioned the idea of quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit, and these are two common hindrances that I want to just focus on uh, for a few moments. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Now, some translations, that first sentence says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That's Ephesians 4.30. And the Holy Spirit can also be quenched. Now, we're going to unpack these a little bit. In uh, Thessalonians 5.19, it says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit in, in the New Living Translation. In some translations, it actually uses the word quench. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Well, what do these terms mean? Let's think about that for a little bit. Grieve. What does it mean when we grieve the Holy Spirit? It means that we're living in an ungodly manner. We, have bitter, we might have bitterness, anger, an unforgiving attitude that's prevalent in, in our lives. In fact, any, quite frankly, any sin grieves the Holy Spirit. I found a, this a quote interesting, again, from J.D. Greer. It says, Grieving is entertaining in our hearts those things that put Jesus on the cross. Now, that's a powerful statement if you stop and, and think about that. Grieving the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we entertain in our hearts those things that put Jesus on the cross. So then what's quenching mean? Quenching means putting out the fires, like throwing water on the fire. So in the sense of our Holy Spirit be, being active in our lives, quenching is ignoring the Spirit's promptings. Now, some of you shared earlier before I got up here how you followed the Holy Spirit's promptings last week, and that's awesome. Quenching simply means saying no to the Holy Spirit. It might be in an, in an area of sin that He's pointing out to you. It might be in something that he's, the Holy Spirit's asking you to do. So quenching, again, means putting out the fire and ignoring the Holy Spirit. 
We have two choices in this matter. Either the Holy Spirit can help us live our Christian lives, or we can hinder His work by living our life our own way. Point number four in my sermon outline is how do we maintain this filling? No one stays full of the Holy Spirit all the time. Our sinful nature is still active in our life, and that hinders and works against the filling of the Holy Spirit. No one is always totally filled, totally joyful, totally submissive to God and empowered for His service. But being filled should always be our goal. In the, our text from the message this morning, Ephesians 5, 18, it says, do not be drunk with wine, that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command. We're commanded to be filled. Obedience to God and His commands is how the filling of the Holy Spirit is maintained. It's not just praying for it that accomplishes the filling. Only our obedience to God allows the Spirit the freedom to do this work in us. When we're made aware of our sin, we should immediately confess it to God to renew the Spirit's ability to fill us again. We need to practice 1 John 1, 9. That's a verse that you, we probably all learned in Bible school or Sunday school over the years. And it says, but if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. This should be an ongoing day-to-day part of our lives. In Galatians 5.16, it uses the term walking in the Spirit. And this implies a day-to-day examination and rededication of our lives to holy living. We must saturate ourselves in God's Word as we walk throughout the day, and that we're aware of when we sin, we repent, we take care of it, so that the Holy Spirit can continue to fill us. Now, I want to my last point is, is characteristics of being filled. And this is an area where I, I, I'm speaking to my, myself, and I'm going to elaborate that, on that a little bit more. But what characteristics should we expect to see in someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit? So we've been, we've been discussing what it means to be filled, what does it look like, what hindrances hold it back to being filled. If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, now what qualities and characteristics should I exhibit? Now, the Bible mentions many things. In the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, to 23, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those are, are some aspects that we should expect to see in someone's life who is filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember a, a number of years ago, I heard uh, someone speak about the, the fruit of the Spirit, and the question was asked, how many, fru- how many fruit of the Spirit are they? And the, and the person bursts out, nine. That's not true. You see that the word fruit is singular. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit, which means that we're supposed to exhibit all of those qualities in, e- in equal amounts in our lives. So those are, those are some key words that we can look at to see what our life should look like if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're filled, we're going to have victory over sin. That doesn't mean all the time, every time, but we're going to have victory over sin. We're going to have a greater desire to know God even better than what we do. And many more. There's many more um, scriptures that help us understand what it means uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, from our lesson text today, I want to focus on, on two specific characteristics of what being filled looks like. So in Ephesians, I'm going to read again, Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among themselves, among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So verse 19, Paul has a list of things there. He says psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making music. These things that Paul lists here does not mean that we should go around singing all the time. It does not mean that whenever we see a Christian friend, we burst out singing, all hail the power of Jesus' name. So what is Paul trying to get, a point, get across here? What's his point? Well, I think what he wants us to see here is that this list is indicative of someone that is filled with overflowing joy, joy that can only come through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We as Christians should be the most joyful of any people. Spiritual joy is not just surface happiness, but it's a deep internal joy based on the fact that our sins are forgiven, we have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and we have an eternity waiting us in the future. So joy is one of the key qualities of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The second one listed in this passage in verse 20, it says, and give thanks for everything. The second characteristic then is thankfulness. The expression of gratitude is the most blessed response to the undeserved favors that God showers upon us. When we're thankful, worries tend to disappear, complaints vanish, peace is experienced, and God is glorified. Genuine thankfulness sees beyond circumstances to the sovereign plan and purpose of God. These two qualities can easily be seen by the outward attitude of someone and sometimes maybe even their appearance. Can you think in your mind of someone that you might know or you're acquainted with, maybe even someone here in church, that you would say is filled with the Holy Spirit? You can usually see it in them. They express it. Now, I'd like us to think about this formula for a second because we talked about these two, joy and thankfulness. Joy plus thankfulness equals contentment. Quite possibly one of the key indicators as to whether we're filled with the Spirit is whether we're content. Can we agree with what the Apostle Paul says in this passage that I'm going to put up in Philippians 4, 11, and 12? He said, not that I was ever in need. First of all, I'll stop there. If you remember the story of Paul, he was shipwrecked, he was persecuted, he was abandoned, suffered all kinds of things, and yet look what he can say. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. Or with everything. I have learned the secret in living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. You see, contentment is a key characteristic of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, look at this Old Testament verse from the book of Habakkuk. It says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Now, that's a pretty bad situation. You might say, well, I'm not a farmer. I don't eat figs. I don't, you know, put yourself into their situation. These were key foods, key important things to, the, to people in the days of the Old Testament. And then after all this has failed, look at what they say. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. So we're trying to lay out for you what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you and I are filled, we'll, we will exhibit these qualities of joy and thankfulness leading to contentment. How are we doing in these areas? Are we filled to overflowing or are we running a little low? Are we overwhelmed with joy for who we are in Christ? Are we bubbling over with thankfulness 
for our salvation and our forgiveness? Are we contented with where God has placed us right now? Are you experiencing contentment? Now, that's a rather odd picture, is it not? Now, this is where my story gets a little bit personal. And I, I've, I uh, am convinced that God has a sense of humor. When Pastor Steve gave me the list of sermons, the one that I didn't want to preach is the one that he called me and said, on February 16th, would you preach on the filling of the Holy Spirit? All right? But not only does God have a sense of humor, God's sovereign. And he knows that I needed to preach this to myself. Because many times, if you, if you teach and preach, at least I'm guilty of this, I teach and preach something that I think other people need to hear. And I fail to allow God to speak to me. So, thank you for asking me to, asking me to preach this passage because it speaks to me. Now, the story of this odd picture up here. Some of you know that I am in the process of retirement and closing down a family business. Uh, my father started a residential construction business in 1951, and uh, we are, over the next uh, number of months, drawing that to a close and uh, closing down our business, and I will be moving into retirement. Now, I've had clear direction from God, believe me, and I'll tell you more about that later if you, if you want to know more, but I've had clear direction from God that this is the right thing to do. But still, it's not an easy thing to do. So I'm struggling with contentment and what I'm going to do when I retire. And is this really, uh, you know, it's going to change my life. Okay, Gerald, get to the picture. I know you're saying that. We want to know what this is. All right. So I told you that my, fa my uh, father started a building business, and I'm continuing that. But my, my role... other and I did run the business over the last number of years, but I'm actually trained in the area of architecture. So I, all of the projects that we built, and I actually was an independent designer for uh, a number of other builders over the years. So last week I cleaned out my drawing files. That is all of the drawings that I have done since 1985. I rolled them all up. I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a picture of these because I think I can use it. And then I sent my wife a text. And the text said, here is 35 years of my life going into the dumpster. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> You're laughing. That's not funny. Those are all the drawings that I did from 1985 until now. Now, they're not, doing, they're not anybody, doing anybody else any good, especially since our business is, is in the process of closing down. I called the Philadelphia Museum of Art. They didn't want the drawings. So, <laughs> so they are now, they are now, as we speak, laying in the dumpster. Now, everything that we do on this earth, at some day we're going to have to leave behind, either by passing away or it's going to all be burned up someday. So I'm Okay. But I am struggling with contentment. It was hard to roll up those drawings and throw them in a dumpster. I'm struggling with resting in God's future plan for me as I retire, even though I have seen His clear leading. I would believe that there are some of you struggling with contentment this morning for various reasons, probably different than mine. But I want us just to pause at the end of the service 
And have us examine ourselves. Are there hindrances in your life right now, in my life right now, that are preventing us from being filled with the Holy Spirit? I have a song that I want us to play that they're going to play in a few moments here. And the song is based on Psalm 23. And if you know, most of us know Psalm 23 from memory. Psalm 23 is a great scripture of contentment. The title of the song is, is called, I Shall Not Want. There's a key phrase in this song that I hope will speak to us this morning, and that line is, when I taste your goodness, I shall not want. That's contentment. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, we need to practice joy, thankfulness, leading to contentment. If you're contented this morning with where God has you, praise the Lord. If you're struggling with contentment, and this is preventing you from enjoying the filling of the Holy Spirit, then listen to the words of the song and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about increasing your joy, your thankfulness, and contentment. <laughs> 